Hello, Veco people. Today's guest is a real-life Aquaman. He's a familiar face at Excellence Veco. You've probably seen him in a lot of today's videos. He's a co-founder of Kayak Voss, and he loves Voss and the nature around him. He even became a politician to protect the river he loves the most, Raundals Alva. Please join me in welcoming the one and only Dog Sandvik. Dag Sandvik, welcome to Extremsport Veco podcast. Thank you. How's life? Life is uh, amazing. Nice to hear. So we're sitting here in your new house in Vos. Mm-hmm. So when did you move in here? Move in here. I moved here in uh, late October. Yeah. So it's still pretty new for me. Enjoying nice. figuring out where stuff is. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Um, you had a long career as a kayaker. And is a local legend at in Vos, and uh, is known for many many people, and probably is like very synonymous with the word Extremsvetveko and Vos. Yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, can you tell me a little bit about how you started with kayaking? Yeah, I can. Um, well, I guess my brother was uh, pretty important. Because he started kayaking when he was going to um, this outdoor school in Norway called Folkehögskule, which a lot of people do when they're around 19, 20. Um, So he got kind of introduced to the sport and we saw him play around. So me and my cousin then thought that, oh, we want to do this. So we got some used, um, not car tires, but uh, inner tubes from some cars and um, or maybe a tractor. I don't know what it was, but that stuff and I inflated it as much as we could put on some uh, rollerblader helmets and uh, random life jackets and then we jumped in the river <laughs> and started <laughs> swimming so that was kind of the start of it I guess yeah and how did that go great I would say it's a lot of fun um apparently we asked for some advice and they say well sure you probably would be safe if you float down here or yeah or. so we went some places where it wasn't too dangerous luckily and uh yeah that triggered like the fascination uh for being in moving water and the river and just getting tossed around was was instantly sparked yeah and how old were you at that time i must have been 14 or 15 i'm not sure but yeah yeah, around that age and then you went on to whitewater kayaking yeah yeah because apparently floating around on car uh, tubes is not what's any Sensible person does for a long time. <laughs> well, it's <laughs> not a recognized sport uh, yet, yet, but it could be. It should be. It's like a low um, low entry level. It's like, why make things so complicated? Because I don't think I have more fun now than I did back then. <laughs> so thinking about it, why did I stop inner tubing? But um, yeah, I did. Anyway, I started high school here in Voss and yeah. uh, met a guy called Eirik Övreide. Which soon convinced me that we need to go on this kayak course. And he almost signed us up and said, we're doing it this weekend. And we did. And I uh, struggled and flipped around and swam the whole weekend. I was completely destroyed and exhausted. And went the next Wednesday or what it was and bought all the equipment. And 
this is what I'm doing. Nice. And you never, never look back. Never. <laughs> so um, how was the life for a kayaker? What does a typical kayaker life look like? Oh, um, typical kayaker life can be different, obviously, depending on uh, your um, life situation. But I think most people have this like, uh, it takes over. So you're always in your mind thinking about this next uh, expedition or next trip or how you want to live the summer out of your van or something it's um it's somewhere in between like some kind of gypsy and um some like outdoor enthusiasts where you go out and camp a lot but you're constantly around in these car parks and uh hanging out where nobody else is you're cold and wet but not miserable all the time and <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's a good point that cold and wet but not miserable yeah 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 so what is it what is it that you jo- enjoy the most about kayaking? Yeah, it's um hmm, I don't know. I guess it's the same like it's that inner inner tube feeling. You're getting tossed around by the river. And it's what at good times is the best thing about kayaking and when you're if you're somehow not feeling it, if you're in a bad state of mind or something that's not right, mm. that's also maybe the worst about kayaking. Yeah. It's it's the lack of control maybe. Yeah. That sounds scary. Yeah, 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 it is sometimes. Yeah. But also amazing when you think that, but I'll be fine. Just <laughs> relax, go with the flow. It's really good. Yeah. Have you ever set out on the river and thinking, oh shit, I shouldn't have done this? Uh, probably. Uh, I was trying to come up with some example right now. but uh, hmm, Good question. Can't think of it, but I must have. I must have. Yeah. So I think many people look at kayaking and think that it is a really like dangerous sport. Mm. What is your perception on that? Yeah, it's probably correct. <laughs> <laughs> you shouldn't shouldn't play around. No. Uh, yeah. Yes and no. It, I think it's a very obvious dangerous sport because you see what you see is kind of what you get. Uh, you see this inferno of moving water and rocks and just yeah it's yeah. it's obviously dangerous to some extent like it's hard to control or it takes a lot of practice to control and uh, if you don't it's dangerous to be underwater for a long time yeah so yeah it's there but it's it's not something that's i think it's a sport where you get surprised on how um how well things go and how good it is, how friendly the river is more yeah. than the other way around. Okay. Whereas some other sports, I think typically I picture at least mountain biking, a sport where everybody feels like, well, this is not so bad. Everybody knows biking. It's calm. If you push your brakes and stop, everything stops. Yeah. And it's all good until that moment where your tire slips and then all of a sudden you're head first in a tree or. Yeah. Trees are really hard. They're very brutal. <laughs> Whereas in kayaking, you can so many times stand and look terrified into something. And mm. then maybe you decide, well, fuck it, I'm going to give it a go. And you paddle and then you fuck up exactly what you thought I shouldn't fuck up. And yeah. you're like, oh my God, I'm dying. And then you get tumbled around in a 
relatively soft washing machine for two seconds and then you pop out, roll up and, well, no consequences there <laughs> again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's a, it's a friendly sport in a way. Like it, it looks insanely dangerous and obviously it can be. Yeah. But I think people a lot of times get surprised if you manage to relax how how well things end. Yeah. Mm. But what what can people do to to like uh, minimize the risk when kayaking because do you do anything to like train yourself for those dangerous situations or is it something that builds up uh with experience? Yeah, I guess I uh in a way I wish I did more to train myself. Um, you could obviously uh, train your um, ability to hold your breath and that would make a big difference because a lot of times when you end up in a dangerous situation it's it's a matter of maybe it was 10 seconds too much underwater yeah and it would have been fine in a way so if you have an ability to to hold your breath longer and that could help yeah um same also with rescue techniques. There's a lot of techniques you can use to rescue yourself or get your friends out quick yeah. before things go bad. So, yeah, I do that, and I know a lot of people do that. But I also feel that uh, when you we talk about it now that I always wish I did more of that because you're a yeah. lot of the time out and consumed with just enjoying. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's is pretty easy to think back and yeah, I should should have done more about that, but it's hard. Same now in winter. I think a lot of people probably could say that, yeah, I should have probably practiced my searching and my beacon and yeah. out to dig. But when it comes to it, it's like ah more tempting to go and ski. Yeah, right. Yeah, but uh, kayakers are in general pretty uh, safety minded, right? I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Isn't there a, like an unwritten rule that you should never kayak alone? And you're all, you're almost mm. always in groups, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, that being said, it is also a thing of solo kayaking, which is highly, I don't know, highly respected and also highly uh, disputed whether yeah. it's a good thing. But I think there's a thing where people go out and they take some kind of yeah, you take an enjoyment of having to deal with stuff on your own. Yeah. But that being said, it's a very um, uncommon thing. And when I go skiing <coughs> with kayakers, I notice that people are very uh, safety-minded or they're oriented towards the group. Because yeah. on the river, the way it works, you go paddling and you're constantly catching some eddy, checking that your mates come down the eddy uh before you continue yeah and you stop and maybe without talking about it you know that this guy runs out and he or she sets up safety at the bottom with Mm. some um ropes and so when you go skiing then uh, you can come down and if you're not with kayakers then on a powder day it's uh every man for themselves yeah and then uh, (laughs) you come down to the bottom of the lift and like where's uh, johnny oh i don't know well well, okay next run Whereas if you're kayaker, somebody would stop halfway down and just like do a quick group check. <laughs> and then, yeah, that's yeah. my experience at least. Yeah, I think that's a good thing. I think so. Yeah. 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 Okay, so um, you've been kayaking for so long. Uh, do you do any other extreme sports or sports in general? Yeah, 
quite a bit of uh, rhythmical sports gymnastics, if that's what you call it. Yeah. Uh, nah, that's, that's a joke. <laughs> I was like uh, <laughs> trying to picture it while holding my face, like okay. Yeah, there's a small twitch in your face there. <laughs> yeah, I was like because I pictured th- that little wand with the silk thread. Mm. I was like, is he waving that around here? And where is he doing that in Vos? Actually, to be honest, last year and also this year, no, two years ago and this year, um, I'll be attending uh, lessons in modern dancing. Really? Yeah, but on the most basic beginner level, probably, that would make somebody with dance experience like yourself uh, (laughs) (laughs) have enjoyment for (laughs) hours, I guess. Well, I mean, modern dance is uh, really hard. My girlfriend is a modern dancer, and uh, she would pretty easily laugh at me if I tried anything. Yeah. But why are you doing that? Good question. Uh, because it sounded like something fun and interesting. Nice. And uh, dancing is definitely something that I suck at. And I thought, I guess I have a very like instrumental view on it that I, I'm not so uh, smooth and relaxed and stuff yeah. I do. I'm quite strong yeah. and have... Muscle through things. Exactly. Yeah. So I figured in order to be a better kayaker, basically, yeah, I should uh, be able to get in t- touch with my inner flow. Yeah, that sounds good, but it's actually really smart. I had a friend um, who died a couple of years ago, Alexander Daluan, the swimmer, yeah. Yeah. and he did ballet and gymnastics to become a better swimmer. Yeah. So it's it's I think it's really important to do other stuff uh, mm. to be better in your own sport. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So, but you're also getting ready for Bula Bini Boogie uh, this summer, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. yeah so you're going to see you do some modern dance on the dance floor? Well, uh, now that I've said <laughs> the word, I'm going to just freeze in uh, like, uh, what's the word? Uh, stage uh, fair or I don't know. Well, that depends. Depends on who's in the bar. Yeah, true, true. But I'm going <laughs> to see you there somewhere. It's like, oh my God, I can't fuck this up now. <laughs> he knows a modern dancer. Yeah, well... The thing about being a breakdancer is, is that every time there's a dance circle, people call you out. Uh, yeah, that's a professional dancer. Come on, you have to dance. I'm like, actually, the worst thing I know is to dance at parties. Because I do it all the time. I go to training like several several hours a day. I do shows. I do theater performances. And when I'm at a party, I like to talk to people and just hang out and listen to music. Yeah. And people are like, hey, come on, you should dance. I'm like, oh, please don't. I'm not a party dancer. <laughs> but it's... Um, it's just, it's a strange thing. Yeah, but you still do it sometimes. Sometimes. The last time I danced uh, at a party, I think, was when I battled Axel Hani in breakdancing at the Bula Beanie Boogie Party. At Veko. Yes, and Sorry. my shoes have never been that dirty. Oh. I mean, I was filled with mud up to my knees. Yeah. Uh. Because he was starting to do the robot just for fun, and people were like, oh, I should battle him. I was like, okay, it's on. And he's an old breakdancer as well. Ah. So he knows the moves. So it turned out to be a long battle before anybody was claimed. Yeah, I don't know who was the, the crown king that night, but uh, I think I got him. Yeah, I was yeah. about to say I would be surprised if not. The thing is that when you drink and dance, you do always do something stupid. Like you can see, see at concerts, people like trying to do backflips and landing on their necks. That's like that's a classic one. But the worst thing I ever did was I did mm. I did a head spin on gravel. Uh, with no no beanie or hat or anything. I mean the sand stuck in my uh in my scalp for like weeks. 
So that sucked. Yeah. That's not, but drunk, so you notice the day after. Yeah. <laughs> but it was a really good husband, though. Yeah. Really? <laughs> yeah. Okay. It was pretty good. Yeah. Um, okay. So I had some, uh, <laughs> I asked a little bit around about you because you have to do some uh, research, right? Shit. So the th- one of the common Who things. Did you ask? Uh, I can't tell. Okay. I don't. I don't give up my yep. sources. No, but I right. think you'll you'll understand who it is. Okay. Um, you're notorious for being late, Julian. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't only Julian. No, it I, was, it I, was I, several people. Yeah, but okay. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, what is your uh, relationship with time? Uh, um, yeah, I guess I had uh, a friend of mine once pointed it out to me that now I understand why we're always frustrated with you and time because we were uh, going to go out surfing in Hodovik yeah. um, one winter. And he said, yeah, so how long are we going to stay in for? And I was like, I guess um, two, three hours. Yeah. Two, three hours. That's like, oh, I don't know if I can stay in that long. It's going to be really cold. Yeah. And I said, well, what feels like two, three hours? I said, yeah. I didn't I didn't mean any like specific time <laughs> thing. So he's like, ah, experience time. So maybe that's the thing. Maybe that's the thing. I actually I think partly that and also uh, getting lost in the moment. I think is yeah. a big deal. So we're here doing this now, yeah. and I could easily get absorbed with it. So that if you didn't say anything, I would be running late for the classes that yeah. I'm teaching later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the struggles are real, and it frustrates people a lot. And I'm trying to um get better at it but um i'm also thinking there is a value to not organizing your life as a train schedule right yeah there are certain things that you have to treat like a train schedule like train schedules for example yeah (laughs) Yeah, that's a good point (laughs) i missed my i missed my flight to uh to go down to the we were doing the world championships in kayaking several years in austria yeah and I think I missed my flight going there once or twice. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's that's uh, <laughs> pretty good or pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. No, but it's it's an accomplishment missing that flight because it's, that's a big trip. It is a big trip. Yeah. Yeah. I even missed my flight coming home from Canada one year. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it, it's it's uh, it's uh, but those things I realize are important. And sometimes when you meet up with people, like when you're a teacher, yeah. You're setting an example, and it's yeah. So I'm pretty focused on being on time there, yeah. And I'm at least doing your best. Yeah, I uh, yeah, I think that's going well. I would yeah. say, but, yes, but uh, I I think it's a good thing though. What to be late? I think people should be more like you in that sense because I think today people are really focused on doing. Me myself included, mm. doing like a million things, wanting to go here and there and there and make this and that. And mm. sometimes you forget to live because you have so many plans and things to do. Mm. So it's so sometimes it's so nice just like being in a moment and playing and just like freestyling a little bit, not having a plan. Yeah. Even though there even though there is a plan, you just go off script and just like, Okay, so this felt good. Let's do this for a half hour more. Yeah. Instead of like it's like I have a daughter and uh, the worst thing you can do is if she plays by herself and you take her out of that that game, right? Mm. She gets so mad, she gets angry for at least a little while after and she's like, what do you have to, what'd you have to do this now? Mm. So I was like, well, maybe it wasn't that important. 
So sometimes it's uh, I think it's a good thing to be late. Yeah, I think so. But um, that being said, I'm also just the same. Like I get a million things to do, and it's not going well all the time. And yeah, yeah. but um, there is something there. I think so, and I think there's a. I think there's a. I've been asking a lot of people on the podcast about. Um, I think it's it's almost a similar thing. It's like. In almost all extreme sports, you have, especially in kayaking, where are going over big rapids, you have the point of no return, right? Mm. And I asked Jamie Sutton about this too. Like, what do you feel about the the point of no return? Mm. Right? Because there's a lot of, once you have to do something that requires skill, guts, uh, risk assessment, and stuff like that, mm. there is a point of no return, and there's a point you just have to say, fuck it. And the, the, the common thing about... With all the people I talk to, even if it's like base jumpers or skydivers or kayakers or longboarders or whatever, is that once you're in that moment, everything else falls away. Mm. And I think that's um, I think that's a really interesting thing about people who do sports and extreme sport: the ability to focus like two hundred percent on something. And I think it's really good for the mind as well, mm. being able to like zone out and it's like, okay, this is what we're doing. And it's the only thing that matters right now. Mm. And I think um, I think that's why once you start doing extreme sport, I think that's one of the things that like, uh, maybe you're not thinking about it, but that I think that's definitely one of the like subconscious things that draws you back to the sport is that, that feeling you get when you can shut everything out. Mm. I think, I think that's well important for a lot of people without them actually knowing it too. Mm. So, but what is your thought on like the point of no return? No return, yeah. It's the same um, feeling. Uh, I was about to say it's like uh, everything silent, like everything just disappears. It's it's only one thing to focus on, really. Yeah. And it's kind of impossible to to be anywhere else. So it's um it's a relief. It's yeah. a feeling of freedom. It's. Uh, because at that point you probably if it's um if it's a big rapid for example you've probably spent quite a bit of time deciding how to do it or even whether you're going to do it or not mm. and all of that is kind of a stressful like thought process and you're a bit like in and out of your head and yeah. then you leave the eddy and uh you quite soon just are just in your um i don't know in your stomach you know yeah. in your body it's the thoughts kind of disappear. Yeah. And it's, uh, you somehow have to you somehow have to like surrender to the river and the forces. Mm. Yeah. Just and quite quiet. Everything's quiet. Yeah. In a way. Really? Yeah. Or at least I feel that way because I probably have a very overactive head yeah. in a way. So a big challenge for me in life is to silence uh, my inner dialogue sometimes. Yeah. That happens. Yeah. I think kayaking is uh, probably pretty good for you. Mm, so how often do you uh go kayaking when there's uh when it's not frozen rivers when it's not frozen rivers it good quite i i ask myself the same how often do i go kayaking and do i do it enough um yeah. but yeah i m- most days um but um a lot of at least the last few years a lot of the time uh on the river i've spent in my slalom kayak which is training on Quite easy rivers with gates. 
yeah. um, to build up teknik that yeah. I felt that I needed or to build physical technique. Mm. So, but yeah, in the some way in the kayak um, most days. Yeah. Six, six out of seven days maybe. Well, that's pretty good. It's really good. Uh, yeah. I'm very lucky to because yeah. I live in Voss. I could get on my bike, bike to the slalom course that we have mm. in 10 minutes, have an hour session yeah, and then bike home. Yeah. And then it doesn't take much. No. Yeah. That's sometimes I really wish I lived in Voss because mm. I, I really love skydiving. And mm. uh, when there's season and uh, you have two kids, then you have to deliver in kindergarten, ride one and a half hours to Voss in the car, get like three, four jumps and then like rush back home to pick up the kids. So sometimes it would be really nice to have a have a place here. Yeah, yeah. But couldn't you skydive in Bergen? Nah, uh, it's not the same as Voss. There is a skydive club in Bergen. There is, but I ha- I've been skydiving since 2013, and I recently, like last summer, uh, like actually thought about jumping in Bergen because oh. I think they only jump in the weekends and one weekday, and mm. well, Voss is like they have a big plane. Bergen, they have like three seats or five seats. Um, it's a pretty small plane, mm. but uh, you can they jump all year, all year round. But I don't want to do that. It's too cold. Mm. Yeah, then you have to like leave the airplane. It's like forty minus degrees. You have to put your arms behind your ass, and it's like okay, I hope this ends soon. And then you open your parachute, and it's freaking cold. And yeah, so it's I like jumping with like shorts and t-shirt and um, freedom. Yeah, and mm. warm. Yeah, yeah, that feels pretty good. Um, but you're you're also involved in politics, true. In was mm. so in what shape or form is that? The round shape. Of, uh, <laughs> 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 no, no, in a more uh, sharp shape. I think. Yeah, Very, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm um, what we call a kommune representant yeah. in Norwegian, which is um, elected into the local. Um, municipality board yeah yeah that makes sense in english right i think so yeah Yeah. so each town has their own little uh local parliament yeah sort of which has uh, a few things that we can decide over Mm. Uh, the big state uh, wants to uh, have most things for themselves but um yeah so i'm uh i'm there now for the third period as they say so been in that for 10 years yeah but what made you start politics um I think it was quite easy. It was the protection of of the of the river here in Voss. Yeah. Um, or in general, like I I as I started kayaking, I got very involved with saving rivers because I knew it was so it was such a important thing for me personally. Yeah. But then, as you kind of develop that personal love and interest, then you also develop the perspective of how. Um, yeah, what do you call it? Like untouched uh, nature yeah. is important in the bigger picture and sort of that was important to my whole worldview, I guess. Yeah. And in Norway, we have a protection plan for rivers, which mm. was um, developed in the, yeah, let's say, 70s and 80s a lot, yeah. uh, which is like a, a safety net to make sure that everything is not lost to hydropower. Yeah. And then in Norway, in Voss, uh, 10 years ago, they started... Um, they started lobbying to 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 uh, take one of our rivers out of this protection plan and yeah. kind of watering out the whole system there. And to me, which, that was which river was that? Rendalsalva. Really? 
the one that flows uh, through Burma and past the skydive. Yeah, I have. Uh, I've gone rafting there. It's and amazing. That, I mean, it doesn't look like it's looks like a place from Avatar or something like that. It's yep. an amazing place, and it's well, I think it's one of the most beautiful places in the world. Yeah, like for sure the the turquoise water and the the rock mm. formations are like really special. Do you know why you have that special color? No, tell me. Uh, and so that's a fun thing that I discovered talking yeah. to a geologist friend of mine yeah. the other day. Um, there's um, there's a type of rock called anorthosite, mm. uh, I think, if I pronounce it correctly. Yeah. It's, it's white, uh, at least the one that's lo- located here, up yeah. in Mjölfjell at the top of the, at the river. And that's completely white, and it um, it washes down the whole river, basically, and you'll have this white rock settled in a lot of places. Yeah. So as the sunshine kind of goes into the water, it reflects a lot back out. So you get yeah. this feeling of the river being illuminated from within. Nice. Which is kind of not far from the truth. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Mm. Well, that river is so beautiful. It's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So there were people who were wanted to exploit that river. Yeah. I and mean, yeah. Then you came in and... I said, fuck this shit. Huh? Yeah. Well, <laughs> we started, it was a lot of us who did a lobbying to save the river. Yeah. And then after that, one of the parties that had been um, very strongly involved in uh, saving the river asked if I could, um, uh, or if I would join uh, and be on the list for the party and help kind of, I think nature preservation is the big thing for me. So I'll do that from within politics as well. So I said... Uh, <laughs> I yeah. said yes. Yeah. Yeah, but I think that's uh that I think it's it's good that people from the from the community mm-hmm. take action and just like step out and say we're not having this. Mm-hmm. And because if you're not part of the discussion, it's uh you're just standing on the outside screaming and shouting, right? But if yeah. you actually have a spot in the on the board, then you actually have a voice. Mm. And now we're, uh, it's me there, and uh, Andreas uh, from the Skydive Club is also part of the politics. Yeah, because uh, there was a case with uh, Bermuan mm. uh, where they wanted to, like, uh, didn't they want to stop uh, air sports or like, skydiving activity there? Yeah, I think so. I think, uh, if I understand correctly, there was a suggestion that you could, or an idea maybe, that you could use that area for um, other purposes um, yeah. of some kind of business, making money. So. Yeah, but it's strange because I don't, I don't. Sometimes I'm like, it, it gets lost on me on why people don't understand how important extreme sport is for us. Mm. It's like a world capital for extreme sport in like mm. every extreme sport. You can do whatever sport you want here almost, and now it's even become a, a paradise for uh, people who go ice swimming. Yeah, it's become a thing in us. It has yeah. a lot of people. Do you know um, Anna Hagland? The death diver. He's also a yeah. skydiver. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Or I, I yeah. you know of him. Yeah. I yeah. know of him. Yeah. Mm. I was talking to him yesterday, and a year ago, he made a video on Svalbard where he, uh, there was these sheets of ice. He made a hole and another hole, and he <laughs> was running on the ice sheets, dove in, and then swam under the ice and up again, like probably 50 meters further away, right? How? 50. 15. 15. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. it was not too far, but it was like, it looked, it looked so insane. Mm. And that video took off and had like, I don't know, 250 million views worldwide. It's, it's insane. 
and he was on like Good Morning America, and like it was a really big thing. And for some reason, ice swimming has really taken off. I don't want to give him credit for all the ice swimming in the world, but for some reason, people like really took to ice swimming like uh, the last six months. Mm. And he was like, I was talking to him yesterday because you're sharing off. He's like, fuck it, I don't want to do ice swimming anymore. I was really on top of it, but not everybody's doing it. It really sucks. <laughs> I want to have it to myself. Too mainstream. <laughs> too mainstream. Too mainstream. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. yeah, this set a new world record for like, I don't know if it's a 50 or 100 meters. Underwater. Under ice. Under ice. Yeah. I'm like, oh, that sounds too scary, man. Yeah, that's... He had an episode actually where he made a hole and he was supposed to swim under and he's a big, strong guy, right? And he swam under and the ice was frozen. And he was like, for two seconds, he was like, oh, fuck. And he panicked and tried to punch his hand through the ice. Nothing happened, right? So then I think he ha- actually had to um, uh, swim further in. And then he somehow managed to like get through another hole. But that was pretty close to uh, not making it. But he had made a hole that wasn't... He made a hole. Uh, it froze again? I or? think it froze or... He, no, he found the wrong... That was, Yeah, found the wrong hole. <laughs> oh. well, yeah, but that was like probably five centimeters of like hard ice. Yeah. So mm. it, it can get scary. It gets scary pretty fast. Yeah. I've thought about like, yeah. Not that I've thought about actually doing that stuff, but I picture how that must be swimming under ice. And I, that, what you're explaining there is just... Yeah, I mean, it's pretty oh. hard to uh, look underwater when you're swimming in the summer, right? Yeah. It's not the same as wearing uh, goggles. when you. It's like everything is like blurry and muddy. And mm. when it's like zero degrees in the water and freezing cold, mm. you your mind plays tricks on you as well, right? So then yeah. if you, for some reason, can't find the hole you're supposed to go get air from, mm. woo, that gets pretty scary pretty fast. And I heard it's like the optics or the visual of how the ice and the hole looks can be confusing, somebody mm. said, but I have no idea. Yeah, and I asked him about safety. I'm like, so what, is, what do you, you have someone with you, right? Yeah, yeah, I have someone with me. If I'm from, for some reason, don't come up within 15 seconds, they put a stick in the hole I came from. I'm like, that's it? <laughs> they put so that he can see where so he came from. So that he can sort of like see where he came from and then swim back and up. But mm. uh, oh, it's gnarly. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, interesting. <laughs> interesting. Um, also heard that you were uh, a coffee guy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so in what shape or form? Are you um, making your own coffee? Uh, yeah. Been trying to take part of every part of the process, if you can say it like that. Yeah. But um, I guess what I mostly do is that I really enjoy very... I'm specific about what I enjoy. Yeah. My coffee. So I have my own little corner in the kitchen where I grind and brew in different types and forms. Nice. And Are you into uh, that uh, cat poop coffee? Nah. You I heard that, right? I heard about that. Yeah. yeah. Supposed to be the world's best. Yeah. 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 I've, and I remember I saw that once that they had it on the menu in Bergen on, um, what's it called? That little place down by Vektertorge. Um, just. Oh. That's um, a good I can't remember. Wienerbrö, was it? Or? Yeah, Wienerbrö, yeah. Yeah. Mm. So I went there. I, there was a place that I hung out a few times when I lived in Bergen. And I saw they had this on the menu. Kopi Luvak, isn't it? I think so. Sounds so, something like something that. Something like that, yeah. 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 And I thought, wow, okay, this is the shit I've been hearing about. So yeah. 
Should I try it? Literally. Costs, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is the shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it probably cost 100 kroners for a cup or something insane. Yeah. But I ordered it and I was quite disappointed. But I was trying to think like this, it tasted like beans that were roasted way too long ago and yeah. it was too old, which I figured could also be reasonable to expect for such an exclusive, expensive stuff that yeah. they might not have the newest form. So yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's really good if you get it fresh and uh, yeah. There's a, there's a, I think there's a fine line between like having really high quality good stuff yeah. and then somebody like goes way too far like yeah this is the shit. Yeah. Have you heard about that uh, big toe whiskey? No. There's what a about? there's a place in the in the states big where toe. they have something called like um, uh, I think it's like how do you say they? <laughs> it's crazy. They actually have a human toe. Yeah, in the whiskey, so they they have uh, some sort of deal. I don't know how they get allowed, but there's a it's a thing if you Google it, where they cut a human big toe from somebody who died, and they like um, dehydrate it, so just like this little thing, and they're supposed to drink uh, a glass of whiskey with that in, and that's like an accomplishment. And it's uh, I don't know if I do it, but that's I think that's an I example know. of like people taking shit too far, too far, yeah. <laughs> and just it's just uh, I don't know what it is, uh, yeah. But it's some something the whole symbolic thing of everything is the, the thing, yeah. But now I I don't think I'm trying not to go too far on things just being special for the sake of it being special. Yeah. But but I had this revelation I think when I was I was back in Bergen also. And when I lived there, we went a couple of guys training and then we would go after training, we would have a coffee and then we'd go to study. That was yeah. like a, a daily routine we had. It's really oh. nice. Oh, it's so nice. Before this uh, COVID shit hit the fan, I uh, had a really nice routine. I woke up, kids in the kindergarten, went to a coffee shop, got a cup of coffee, uh, mm. wrote some emails and then I went to jiu-jitsu practice. Trained awesome. for three hours and then started the day. That was like the routine. So when there was no jiu-jitsu, mm. no coffee, no kindergarten, that was like, that was like a mad madman uh, place for like five <laughs> weeks of lockdown breakdown of life. Yeah. So after a couple of days, I started like going into this YouTube rabbit hole of like how to steam milk for myself, how to grind mm. beans. So I just like I bought a express espresso machine and a steamer and everything. So I just started making uh, coffee myself. So I'm yeah. like a hobby barista now. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So we share this. Uh interest yeah i never it's like coffee and sushi was two things i never thought i would love but now Mm. it's like it's a constant craving for good coffee and good sushi and what is your favorite coffee all right that's a hard question but if you were to pick on the top of your mind it is um it's hard but i like a good strong espresso yeah like uh, medium roast yeah i think that's uh I'm not not too deep into it, but uh, like a good strong one in the morning, and I I also really enjoy. And people are gonna coffee people are gonna hate me for this, but I love (laughs) coffee uh, coffee coffee mocha. How how do you say that in English? Mocha mocha, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't drink that shit. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) but it's like a a good coffee, which is a hint (laughs) of chocolate. Yeah, it's like ah, the best world is like half cocoa and half uh, coffee. That's uh, pretty nice. It is tasty. It is. Yeah. Mm. All right. uh, So we really should talk about this before we run off. I know you. I know you want to try to not be late today. Uh, But you and Julian and uh, what was the name of the girl who also was uh, part of starting Kayak Boss? 
Uh, Nicole. Nicole, yeah. Dubé. Or Dubé. We should refer to her as Nicole Dubé. Nicole Dubé. Yeah. All right. <laughs> All right. So that was in 2010? Yeah. 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 That was. 11 years ago. And what made you start Kayak Boss? Julian, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, good question. What happened there? Um, yeah, it was kind of random uh, back then. And I think Julian is a good answer to that thing. Um, what was the case? I was, uh, yeah, I was studying Bergen and uh, I was in Boston summer times, just cruising around, um, helping to keep the kayak shop here open. That has been. Um, uh, been there for a few years and then he said oh we should start a business where we do tandem kayaking because nobody does that in yeah. europe and he's been to africa a few times where they did tandem kayak on mm. on the nile yeah so we started that business um i drove to to sweden picked up two tandem kayaks ran out of gas on the way home in the middle yeah. of the night julian came and gave me a gave me a liter of ben <laughs> petrol <laughs> and we got here uh so we started tandem kayaking with people and gradually it grew um is that a thing that people do now I, it's more and more businesses around europe that has that as part of their offer yeah and um it has been a thing on the veco videos we've yeah i've seen that borrowed the tandem kayaks to different people that have done a few stunts so yeah um yeah, I don't know. It's not a big thing, but it is. Is that like it's really fun? Is that this in the same world of tandem skydiving? So people with no experience can uh, hang out with you and go down the river. Yeah, it is, and it was the same idea that this would be the equivalent to what the skydive club does. Yeah. Um, I guess part of the issue was that to figure this out from scratch, because nobody was doing this, we kind of had to figure out exactly how to operate it in a yeah. commercial way. And I guess uh, what it turned out is that it's more demanding uh, to do because you're never fully in control and predicting exactly what's happening. As I, Mike's uh, view of tandem skydiving is it's quite like, you know exactly how the procedure will be. Yeah. There's not too many surprises. Yeah. Whereas in, in kayaking in general, there's the river is quite unpredictable. Um, so it's probably like skydiving into a storm. With a yeah. guy strapped on your belly. Yeah, something, maybe, yeah. I don't know. I have done one tandem skydive, and it was amazing. But uh, it felt like that was all more, like, quite structured in a way. Yeah, I think it is. Uh, I think tandem skydiving is pretty, like, easy and accessible for everybody. Just uh, put a harness on, go with an experienced skydiver, jump out. Mm. And... You didn't used to have that before, but now they have they have something called a drogue, which is like a mini oh. parachute. Then when once they jump out, they pull the drogue, uh, which yeah. is like a yeah, mini yeah. parachute that that, that like uh, it's mm. like a brake. Mm. So you don't go too fast down, and then people can uh, be more stable. Mm. But they didn't used to have that. So it was more rogue before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess kayaking is at that stage where there's no like it's kind of like. A little bit wilder uh, in a way. Sounds pretty dangerous. I don't know if I do that. I don't, it's not so dangerous, but it is scary. I think. Yeah. So, um, but we're figuring it out, and I think more and more people have been picking up on it lately. So yeah. that's cool. But anyway, like we quickly realized that that was not gonna be the big um, 
moneymaker. So yeah. started doing more of the classical courses and yeah. teaching people. You still do that? Yeah, still do that. Yeah. Mm. Is there a lot of activity in the summertime or spring or? Yeah, for a short period in summertime, there's uh, quite a lot of activity. Yeah. So, but now right now we're working with um, maybe we can join forces with the kayak club here because yeah. it seems like there's too many people, too many actors. So I'm hoping that we can gather up at least for the coursing parts and yeah, um, yeah, um, have more of a everybody pulling in the same direction. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah I think that's a good thing. There's uh, there's like. You go in the same rivers, there's risk involved. Many people mm. can probably quickly lose track of how many people is in the river and then someone from another group comes into your group. And True, that's also something. But also just the fact of uh, having one place where all the, like, the teaching is happening yeah. and um, all the instructors can be coordinated together. Yeah. Of things. I think the Skydive Club does an amazing job in creating a community. Yeah, I and think that's, it, that would be good to have here. Yeah, and their their courses is becoming really good, and there's mm. full courses like every week all summer. And I think last year we did a record for most amount of skydivers ever at Skydivers, even yeah. though there was a lockdown and the season ended. And I started way late. Yeah, yeah. So I was so scared sitting at home in lockdown. Was like, oh, are we not gonna jump this season? Is there yeah. going to be no skydiving? <laughs> because that's the thing, right? Because you, it takes a small village to skydive. You have to have like a plane, a pilot. You have to have people overlooking the drop zone. And yeah, there's a lot of people involved just for you to have that 45 seconds. Mm. But uh, sometimes it would be nice to be a base jumper. Just putting on a rig, hike up, jump. Be your own master more. Yeah. yeah. Actually, people have started tandem base jumping. Really? Yeah, in Italy. <laughs> There's a small group for now that uh, does uh, tandem base jumping. And I think that sounds uh, dangerous. Yeah, what do you reckon? Dangerous. Um, I'd rather do it myself, yeah. solo, than if you're, if you're going base jumping, then you have to go yourself. Mm. I, don't think, uh, I don't think like tandem base jumping should be a thing. No? I don't think so. Well, it's, uh, it's so dangerous. Yeah, I guess so. I have very little knowledge about that sport. Yeah. But um but I thought like if you just jumped off without doing anything crazy stunt but just like go to the edge, jump off, that it wasn't so bad. Yeah, but the thing is that you only have one parachute, so if anything happens, right. then you don't have a reserve. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And also if you jump out and the parachute for some reason get a twin or not a I don't know you get rotated, uh, right? Uh, yeah. Twin. Yeah. You don't have get a twin brother, but <laughs> if the parachute um, opens in a different angle, then you a twist. Yeah, a line twist, right? Mm. So you can open with a line twist if you have a, a bad body position when opening, and that can definitely happen on a tandem since you have to control two people instead of one. Mm. And if you then jump out, you're just a couple of meters from the wall, mm. and then the parachute turns and you smack into the wall like every meter down, and then it collapses and you fall to the Black death. True, true. And this is, I think, thinking about it, this sounds like uh, an interesting mathematical, uh, um, not equation, but um, thing. (laughs) So if you have a parachute and the chances of failure on any given opening is one to, I don't know, 10,000 maybe? Yeah, something like that. Let's just guess. Yeah. So 
if you then have two chances in a way, then it's not twice as safe, but it's 10,000 times as safe, isn't it? Because you will have to, the chances of both failing is 1 to 10,000 times 10,000. Yeah, it sounds correct. But this sounds very bro science to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, but it's, I was thinking about it last year because I have um, one another little passion is skiing. Yeah. And we were trying to like set up safety for doing a little rappel. And then yeah. we we're talking about setting anchors. And then we we're like, oh, yeah, putting up two anchors. That's good because that's twice as safe. And then we we're like, nah, can't be. And then we started. This is probably common knowledge to all climbers and maybe yeah. to jumpers as well. But, um, if you set up two points and mm. they have each a chance of one-fifth of, of yeah. going, then both going at the same time would be one to 25. Yeah. Right? It sounds uh, right. If the listeners have any input on this one, yeah, <laughs> send it to Kjetil at extensportveco.com. Right? Yeah. 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 But it sounds correct. And um, yeah, I think skydiving is really safe to compare it to base jumping. And that's the thing in kayaking, you don't have that, like, there's no, well, there is some backup with safety and ropes and stuff, but you don't have those standard procedures, so it's a little bit more of a, yeah. Yeah. I've seen some big wave surfers have these vests that inflate, Mm. that pull you to the surface. Mm. Is that a thing that could be implemented in kayaking? (laughs) Yeah, I think people have tried a few, like, um, things. One of them is thinking about this one the other one is to have like um i don't know what you call it but a spare breath basically so a little um like an oxygen tank a small one small one in the vest so you can pull up and you can have maybe five breaths in that one yeah that would make a big difference and there's been but nothing is really established now so it's um and you got a few new business ideas yeah i don't know (laughs) spare breath by kayak boss Sounds good. It sounds good. But back to the whole thing of not having 10,000 things to do, but <laughs> more time to enjoy life. So, Yeah, that's true. Yeah. All right. Um, do you have anything, uh, any famous last words you want to add before we round this uh, quick and uh, dirty podcast up? Yeah. Um, I would uh, recommend everybody to... Uh, tune in to this podcast and also the flow job podca- podcast which is released by julian stocker in a few weeks i think nice we're gonna pay attention to that flow job sounds like yeah it's good <laughs> <laughs> it's better than no job yeah that's true all right Doug thank you for your time uh hopefully you're not late today and uh looking forward to catching you some other time yeah what's the time now it is 11 30 so oh, it's time to go perfect okay. all right thanks Peace.